Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Welcome to The Gabby Ree Show where everything is an experiment. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a solo podcast. I have a lot on my mind. I always do. Don't we all? And so I thought I'd sort of bucket out some things and and talk about them. I'm going to start with training. I have been recovering. I've had a torn labrum in my hip. And I'm going to be honest with you. I have been doing, my adductors are incredibly weak. So I'm already, you've maybe heard me talk about that. I'm just really not that flexible, like literally or figuratively, metaphorically. It's one of my constant (laughs) dances. It's like, oh, you're so grounded. It's like, yeah, like concrete. So I, um, I started incorporating other very small, tedious exercises on the regular basis. And I want to say after like two and a half months, it's sometimes hard to believe. And I so sell the message of like, we can heal ourselves and the body is a miracle, but I sometimes have a hard time believing it. And so I can say that I really have been able to start to work a little bit harder. And what I noticed in this is sometimes we get going into doing it a certain way, like, oh, I lift on these days and I'd like to go outside and do outside activities on these days. And we, even in that, get stuck in our way. And it's kind of interesting, right? Like, oh, this is the way I do it. This is my way, our way. And we are also then that gets in our way. And so I haven't been banging as much iron, which makes me feel like I'm sort of earning it. And um, you go, oh, am I going to keep my muscle and all this stuff. But in the meantime, I've been healing and it's creating an environment where I can work a lot harder. So I just want to encourage you if you're if you have some aches and pains that if you do have some homework, which I'm sure you do, do it and sort of believe in that process, even though it always takes longer. And I do believe as we get older, you start to think, is this it? Like, is this permanent? Is this what I'm going to be living with for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, whatever it is? And I, I just want to say that I, I believe we can always still make the changes. And I don't mean this in some friffy way. I just mean that if we can stay malleable in all those ways, I think the body follows. It doesn't mean, of course, we're not surging full of hormones like, you know, 16, 20 year olds. And of course, but there's so much that we can do if we strategize, you know, it's, it's like staying open-minded and learning and changing. So I just want to encourage you. So I've really ramped that up. And uh, if you don't have homework and you've got something going on, get involved, get some help. Ask somebody, find somebody that you trust that feels good and see how it goes. And if something really happens interesting, I'd love to hear about it. So the next area kind of connected with that is aging. What's always interesting for me about aging is I I try not to give it too much, you know, like I try not to hang too much on it, but then there's just things about it that it's kind of the way it is for all of us. Time is moving transitions are uncomfortable, you know, life is always changing. And um, I feel like I'm always trying to find ways to flow with that. I interviewed in a podcast prior to this, 
probably in the last four weeks, um, Arthur C. Brooks, Strength to Strength. If you did not hear that podcast, I would direct you to it. And really what he basically talks about is, hey, we have this fluid intelligence when we're younger. And as we do, you know, live a little longer, it sort of turns into something else called crystallized intelligence. And so things that maybe were very easy or effortless for us when we're younger become harder, but then we have different strengths as we get older. And how do we keep finding kind of that purpose and that satisfaction? Because we cannot do the same things over and over, even though it's a tendency. I think it's really natural to be like, well, I'm good at that. People know that I do that. Or why all of a sudden is this new person in the office kind of the new superstar and I'm not, or the new athlete on the court? It's it's completely natural. So I have found that um, embracing that and keep focusing on like, what are my strengths? Who am I trying to be? How can I help someone else? I think that's really helpful. I, and, and Arthur uh, Seabrooks talks a lot about that in Strength to Strength, which is also when we become of service because we do have a certain amount of experience or what have you, there's something so deeply fulfilling. And even though we're, you know, it's like, you're not the, maybe you won't be like the rock star, whatever that means. The deep richness of helping someone else improve or being a part of something, I think culturally, like we don't give it enough juice, but it's just, it's really powerful. And everyone gets their place in those moments. And how do we just keep moving and growing and sharing and supporting one another. And, and, um, that's certainly one of them. And, and I joked with, a there's a very well-known makeup artist named Bobby Brown. And we were talking about like, if you want to talk about aging, just straight up aging, it's like, Hey, on those certain days, don't look so close to the mirror because (laughs) there's those days you're like, Holy shit. And everybody experiences that it's just really normal. And, you know, remember when we're teenagers, we're tortured for other reasons. We're so uncomfortable. And then we get, you know, maybe a sweet spot for a few years. And and so if I could encourage you to, um, on those particular days, on that to kind of superficial external, get a sense of humor and uh, and back away from the mirror. You know, have fun with it. Tell a friend. Don't make it a big deal. We'll just be like, yeah, whoa. The parenting front has been, um, it's always, it's always university, right? Being a parent, it's always uh, really being, trying to be self-aware. I had an incident with one daughter, I won't say her name, Brody, and um, she's really tough on Laird. She's, she's tough on him and, and he probably harasses her, but he also really shows up for her. He, you know, he's there. He takes her every morning to school and he is, you know, affectionate and just right there. And he says something interesting to me. He's like, you know, point to the pillars in the living room and be like, see that, like that post, sometimes that's just my job, right? It's just to be there. But I was in the car with her and she, he calls her to like say hi and see how she is. And she's really rude. And, um, granted, you know, she's that age, whatever. And I, and, and I was like, Hey, I don't, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to be around that. And what does that stem from? That stems from me thinking, oh, is this, if she talks to her dad like this, is this how she's going to be in relationships? And I, we always talk about baseline decency, right? Like, I don't care what you have going on short of like the real stuff, no matter what mood we're in, I don't think it's our right and privilege to be able to take it out 
on any, you know, the people close to us. Now, granted, you hear that parents are safe. And so when people are teenagers, oftentimes they're the worst because we're not going anywhere. And that means, oh, it's some kind of badge of honor. Thank you very much that you're that safe person that won't split on them. So, you know, we've all kind of gone through those phases, but I just said to her, like, I, I just, I don't want to hear that. Like, I know that's your dad, but that's also like, that's my partner and he's not your welcome mat. Right. And then she said something and then I might've, I, I think I do this and I have to figure this out is I'm super cool. And then I'm not cool at all. And she'll try to give me some BS, like bullshit dialogue about like, she said to me, oh, I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> and actually the last person that said that to me was Katie Couric in an interview. And um, it's pro, right? Like that's a pro move. I was like, man, pretty good. Like, I'm sorry you feel that way. It has no sense of accountability in it. I guess my point of sharing it with you is I did lose my cool on some level. I mean, I wasn't throwing things. I was driving the car. But I think I lean into it so much because I'm, it is ultimately stimulated by the concern that this is who she's going to be as a person and not that it's a phase. And um, then she proceeded to tell me, which I think is pretty funny, that I handled it wrong and that I could have been so much more impactful if I had just said, hey, listen, it's not the way to do it. And da, da, da. I go, I think I've tried that method and now I'm trying something else. But it's it's the reminder, like if you, if you're in those instances with a child, um, or a young adult child or an adult child, try to remember back to what you were like. And I feel pretty confident in saying that probably most of us had versions of this and we probably make better decisions today. And that's what I'm reminded. I was talking to a friend of mine who has an adult child, a young adult child who is, went through a sobriety and had, you know, like an active recovery place for about six months and he's going to do another six months. And this young adult child is a year younger than when my friend got sober and my friend's thriving and killing it in his fifties. Right. So I guess why I'm bringing this up is if you're going through something like that, is just to remember what you are going through and to, to just have that reminder, like, Oh, that, that's right. This too is part of it. And they have to go through it. And uh, why would they figure it out sooner than we did? And it's hard to remember that, but it's, it's just so true. Just have that faith. And, you know, listen, there wasn't an F-bomb, but I occasionally didn't love here and there just to let the valve out. Um, you can't be perfect. You know, it's been an interesting time. Also in my marriage, I will be in my 25th year of marriage soon, very soon, and 27 years in the relationship. And I do feel, I was joking with Larry the other day, I was like, oh no, are we here? Because I've ever heard the study that men don't hear as well, or they're not, they're desensitized to their partner's voice after a certain amount of years. And I swear to God, I, I feel like Laird is hearing like a third less of the things I say you know, everything I say is so important. <laughs> and, I, and I was joking and one of our, our, our older daughters was here and I was like, oh no, is this where we are in our relationship? Like you're, you're not hearing me anymore. And he, and, uh, I, I was joking, but I was also serious because you also realize how do you go through time with somebody 
And yeah, of course you love them. You know, it's like the given thing, like, oh, I love them and I respect them and all these things. But are we able to look at each other as we are in this moment? Because I, I may not, I may be different than I was yesterday. And if you're not paying attention or you're not giving me that chance to be who I am today, or if I'm doing that, let's say, then you're, it's like you're missing, right? Like you're missing the opportunity for the growth and for like that rediscovery of like, oh, my partner, like they're still learning and expanding. And I, I don't know every story or I haven't heard every single thought, but I can say that in the dance at the moment, in the last week or so, um, it's kind of been uncomfortable. And, uh, and I, I'd imagine it's really natural. It's just something that forces you to go, huh? Okay. Like where, you know, where am I going from here? Because I, I'm the, you know, I'm only in charge of myself. And so I think that that has been really interesting. And also, um, I have a tendency to, I don't want to say, say very little, but I, I feel like I have strong opinions and I'm a pretty strong person, but I have a tendency sometimes to be more on the quiet side. And then recently we had a scenario where he was sharing something and I felt that part of what he was sharing was actually inaccurate and it felt like important information. And so I was like, well, actually I, I think it was this. And um, it was interesting because he did not take kindly to that because it was in front of two other people and I wasn't combative or disrespectful in any way, but that within being agreeable and within wanting peace and within being more quiet in a certain way, um, I also realized that um, I feel like it's important to be in your own strength and your own voice and to be strong, even if it is quiet. And even if your partner is super energetic and boisterous and, you know, wonderful things. But it was kind of interesting, like what I will fold on and then what I'm like, oh, so I just have to go along with everything. And I don't know that I. I, I think that, and I, I certainly believe in never embarrassing your partner, if especially, you know, in front of a group of people, that's not a good look, but certainly being able to have like some healthy debate, um, or like an opinion, I think that would, that would be okay. But yeah, it was just interesting. I think all relationships, friendships, love relationships, they have all these, these chapters and I think we have to keep rolling up our sleeves and saying, all right, how do I participate? And what's my part in this? And what do I want to bring to the table? And what am I willing to kind of not worry about? Right? Because we can get fixated on all these things that they don't really matter. Especially, I feel like when you know your partner's heart, you know, sort of in the right place, that's pretty powerful to know that like that they have your best interest at heart or they're really trying and they're showing up. I think that's a really powerful starting point. And the rest is like nuance and massage and like making yourself happy. But anyway, the, it, it's just been an interesting family time. I, I can imagine a lot of you are feeling that because a lot of older children are moving home because the world is difficult and, you know, 
it's not, is it open? It's not fully open or they can work from home, but like, you know, everything else is too expensive. Um, so you've got older kids or you've been kind of trapped. Did I say trapped? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> you've been at home quarantine with your kids and your partners. And, um, I think we make these romantic ideas about family and then we're always surprised when it's not that. And uh, I wonder where we get that from. I don't know if that's part of the whole Cinderella thing, but, you know, oh, my family and you know, like you ever go on a business trip and you miss everyone so much and you get home and you just go, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I have fun with that because I do. I love my family and I'm so grateful for them. And I'm sure they feel the same exact way about me. But there are days where I'm like, huh, a one bedroom apartment and a dog. I don't know, maybe but I'd be missing out and all the, the real growth, the best growth, the, the things I don't want to look at about myself. There they are. So that's the, one of the great opportunities. And by the way, if you're listening to this and you haven't gone this route, props to you, you know, it, it's like, there's a million ways uh, to walk the journey and to make yourself to be in this life. And so I'm not suggesting it's the only way. I, in fact, we talk about it with my friends. You know, if you think having children makes you happier, that's not what it is. It's something else. And if anyone tries to sell people that, that narrative, I think it's unfair. So anyway, just putting that out there. This podcast is brought to you by Ritual. I've personally been taking Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin since right when COVID hit. I was looking for something supportive and powerful. Someone suggested it to me and lo and behold, I got I did some research and what I love about them is, so women were kept out of research until 1993 by federal law and Ritual really knows how important women are. Obviously, if you're going to be selling them vitamins, they're essential. And they conducted a university-led human clinical trial for their essential for eight women 18 plus multivitamin to really assess its efficacy. So right there, I was intrigued and even more intrigued by the results. It increased vitamin D, which is what I was looking for, by levels up to 43% and omega-3 DHA, so important, levels by 41%. And that was just in 12 weeks. So they take the time and energy to figure out, hey, you know, does this work? And is it going to be good for these women? And not to mention that what they do is so smart. They, they kind of hone in on nine key nutrients and they put it in two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption. So if you're going to spend the time and energy to really, you know, navigate taking supplements, everything is bioavailable. Your body can absorb it. It'll know what to do. And it's really gentle on your on your stomach. So you don't have to worry about like, oh, I have an empty stomach or after food or before food. They just take away all of those pressure points and make it as easy as possible and give you comfort in knowing also that Ritual's multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO, project verified, gluten and major allergen free. They're certified B Corp and all of their ingredients are made traceable. Don't get me started on the nice little finish touch of the minty kind of aftertaste that they put in it. I mean, they've really thought about everything. So if, you've, if you're interested, if you're in need, no more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. You will get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash Gabby. If you want to start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today, 
That's ritual, R-I-T-U-A-L dot com slash Gabby to get 25% off your first month. I had a really interesting interview with Ken Steffes and he, they have a new, he has a new book out, but what was very interesting and somebody put this on my, uh, posted this, I said a winning mindset and someone said that that was fixed instead of, I believe it was a winning mind state. But my point is, is that Kent really talked about when he went to play volleyball, he was there to win and win only. And everything short of that was sort of uh, an incomplete a fail. And my experience playing sports was so very different. It was a place, it was something to be a part of. It was, I loved the hard work. I loved training. I loved kind of the silliness of being with the girls and the brutalness. And I respected myself. I felt good about myself training hard. And I loved having good coaches. Uh, there's nothing worse than having a bad coach, but when you get a good coach, it's, it's, it's hard to beat it. It's hard to beat having somebody who makes you better and who's willing going back to the strength to strength to mentor you and share ideas with you that help you in your own life. And, and most of it not on, on the court, right? So personal accountability, work ethic, discipline, dealing with fear, dealing with law, losing, deal, you know, handling winning gracefully, uh, you know, working on everything you're not good at, not sitting at practice and only doing the stuff you're great at. And so it was really an interesting conversation because we celebrate winners. We don't even, when you watch the Olympics, we don't even look at the person in second place, right? Like we only celebrate people who are number one. And he talks in depth about the real price for that. And I don't know, like when you hear, was it Natural Born Heroes, the book, Natural Born Heroes is, you know, that cooperation was a part of evolution. And, and I don't know if winning, obviously people competed for mates, right? Like males especially competed to have mates, but it wasn't about beating you for the sake of beating you. So there's an interesting thing where we celebrate winning so much, but it is a really unnatural part of our culture or our, our evolution. And so within it, it's just a kind of an interesting dynamic. One, if you're doing something yourself, so if you're participating, whether it's professionally or on a recreational level, maybe you compete in Spartan races or marathons or half marathons or tries, or, you know, you play basketball or soccer on the weekends or whatever your jam is, but that what is it that's being a part of that? Is it to challenge yourself? Is it to see if you can do it, to see if you're better, or is it really about winning? And Laird had a great quote, and it really says what's different about he, Laird and I. Laird said to me, creative people uh, really get joy out of like the experience and sort of more linear people get the joy out of beating others. And I was like, yeah, that's, that sounds about right. Like, so for him, he wants to just go out and see the, see the ocean and the co you know, color of the waves and the power and like the landscape and all the stuff. And when I played, I was like, what, what's at stake? And so I think we do that a lot in life. 
even when we say to someone like, what job are you going to take? It's like, we'll get the most money you can. And, and that winning, that price for that winning in the long run, it may not be worth it. And we do, we, we do have to grow up and we do have to provide and all these things. But if we get that space to ask ourselves, who are we, who am I, and what's really going to make me feel good and what do, really turns me on? Sometimes we, I think we'd arrive at a different, at a really different end game. And, and it's hard, especially as we were sort of in life to ask those questions because we're sort of buried under responsibility. So I don't know, maybe if you, you know, if you're in a transition, this is the time to do it. If you have, you know, kids that are getting ready to go out there in the world, could you encourage them to sort of really quietly ask themselves that question? Because after listening to Ken, and this is a smart guy, I mean, he has analyzed it. It's like a CPA's uh, approach to sport. You wonder, like you've got the gold medal and what did you give up for it? And was it worth it in the long run? And maybe the answer is yes, but it's just really important depending on who you are, what you want to give up for that quote winning. So I really appreciated that conversation. We had jokes. Like I was like, I don't know what game you play, but <laughs> I was like, yay, it's fun. You know? And another, another thing that was really interesting is, you know, in these podcasts, like you're going to talk to scientists or health experts and, you know, most of them, and I do vet it, there's an alignment and it's, it's mostly because it's already confusing and I'm, and I'm trying to make this as easy as possible, you know, sort of taking care of yourself and make it achievable and not sort of one more, you know, confusing message. However, what happens is, is you go, go along and certain trends come out like fasting, let's say, and all of a sudden you get these, these, all these studies about what's great about fasting, but a lot of us don't realize, Hey, listen, these studies are oftentimes done on men. And so they don't always reflect how it impacts women and especially women that are performing. So basically what I mean is if you're really having a heavy physical output, um, don't get me wrong. If you are running around and working and trying to manage a family, you're an athlete. I mean it. Like that is the hardest stuff to, you know, keep yourself dialed together and find those pockets to take care of yourself. But this is also kind of uh, implied for women who are really training very, very hard. Maybe you're doing lots of lifting or lots of miles or whatever, is that maybe fasting with all its great benefits is not for women. per se. So I talked to Dr. Gabrielle Lyon and the conversation, like I'll just sort of shorten it. And even Dr. Sims is, here's the deal. If you're, let's say more sedentary and you're using fast fasting to manage body composition, don't you like how they say that? Body composition. It used to be weight and I don't love scales, but you know what I mean? So it's, <laughs> By the way, I weigh, I weigh 182 right now. Doesn't that sound like a lot? Okay. So anyway, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, and she talks about the importance of protein. That in a nutshell, and I've done abbreviated podcasts on this with the exact information and the why. So you can listen to them. I think it's like 12 minutes long. Is what protein, all of the things that protein supports, all of the systems in our body, you know, whether it's your brain 
recovery, hormones, all of it. So one gram of protein for ideal body weight. So I mentioned I was 182. That's right, 182. I think I feel better at about 175 between you and me or all of us and me. And um, so what does that mean? I will eat 175 grams of protein. And, um, and so it's really, you know, to get it in food is really hard. So I, I do take, uh, you know, BCAAs or branch chain amino acids. It is not a waste of time and money, but typically you can get it in your food. Um, and she says the first and last meal of the day is so imperative, 35 to 50, either 50 or 55 grams of protein. And so it will also keep like hunger at bay and a bunch of other things from happening. You know, you, you get to avoid an insulin spike and sort of some other things. So my point of this is that a lot of times we've talked about all these incredible benefits of fasting. And I want to say, I do agree with that. And especially if you do it right. And how hard is it really to get into autophagy? Very hard. I think it's like 36 hours. So intermittent fasting, yes. Digesting food, hard on you. Yes. That message has not changed. Snacking, not great. Probably. However, how do we get that, mo- that protein? And especially if you're female, because most of us are not getting enough. So I just wanted to clarify that because again, my hope is, is that the show has some flexibility to it, but it doesn't feel inconsistent and it doesn't feel like, well, last week you said this and now this week you're saying that because I don't like that myself. So there's going to be constant things that are important, getting to bed on time, being hydrated, trying to stay mobile, you know, eating enough of the right types of calories, you know, things like omegas. So this isn't going to switch in the, you know, sort of in the health ethos, being connected, finding that community, contributing to the world that you live in. However, there might be some of these other conversations as we go deeper into them. It's like, wait a second, that study was really on, on the, on the men or the boys. And maybe there's some caveats for women. So I just want to kind of identify that something that has really kind of shown up for me. Something else that we keep showing up to is, you know, this whole idea about like, don't look where you don't want to go. Right. We, we live in a really, I don't think most of us feel this way. There's a few that are very loud that create all this sort of separation and conflict. And I, I don't actually think that most of us feel that way. And I, I just like to reiterate that if it's possible and you found the value in it, if you could go out into your world, if each of us could go out into our world and be empathetic and loving and tolerant, but strong, you know, it's like this whole thing of there's so much complaining going on and I'm more interested in like, what can we build? Cause I really feel like when you're busy doing and building and being, you know, with people you love and trying to go for goals and dreams, you don't really have a lot of time to criticize other people or be upset or be frustrated about the way they want to live. And I sometimes feel that maybe people have too much time and they've been at home and they're on their phones quite a bit and they're frustrated and not feeling great. 
And then we all think that's how the world is now. And I, I just don't think it is. I think most of us are just really trying to do the best that we can. And we're flawed. And that we all have a lot of love in us. And um, we want to be loved. And, and so I just want to remind you. But within that, I mean the real strength, too. I think at some point, some of it gets to be too much bullshit. And it's just being like, come on. Like, so whatever your truth is that you'd be willing to, to take ownership of that. It seems to have gotten to be a scarier thing now, but I think it's important that we still can keep discussion open and, you know, it's like healthy debate and, you know, we don't, I don't have to agree with every single thing that one of my friends agrees with to love them and be friends with them. And I don't, I hope that we don't lose that. Um, And it could just be temporary. I mean, it, it really could. I mean, right, like if you ask half the world, they think it's just we're in transition to transhumanism, but I don't know. And I, don't, I mean, I'm certainly we would be smarter, but I don't know if that means that it's better. But maybe that's what's maybe that's it. Maybe we're in a really far out time and we're in a transition and we're getting to witness it. But it'll be interesting to see. Books I've been reading. I just finished because I'm going to interview him. Uh, Matthias Desmond's The Psychology of Totalitarianism and was an interesting, very interesting read. I mean, I'm going to look up all the books that I've been reading to share. Um, very different. You know, I, I have a an eclectic uh, kind of, well, you know how it is. You got to try out all new things and uh, keep your mind open. Let's see. I did read The War on the West, which I thought was really great. I reread, and you can laugh at me because you wouldn't expect this from me, Autobiography of a Yogi. Yes, that's true. And The Wisdom Codes. That was interesting. So I don't know if most of you feel this way, but sometimes this repetition that we're in, I'm what I've been trying to do is open up to creativity within the repetition because there's going to be certain things, like kids are going to school, now people are going to work dinner's going to be made. Like there's just stuff that happens that it just mounts to repetitive. So one of the things I've been working on is being like more kind of optimistic about the possibilities of what's in front of me. And I'll say the word, will I say the word dream? Maybe. I had a friend that used to say, what else is possible? Because we get so locked and loaded and then we get a a little bit of life's experience. Maybe we've even had one or two or three successful careers. So we think we know something. And that really can limit us. And what I realize is I'm my own worst limitation, right? Like I put the ceiling on when I was joking about being a Capricorn, really stubborn, and really grounded. That has a lot of perks, but it also can really hold you back because Sometimes I feel like I don't expand even professionally as much as I could because I'm so focused on being grounded and practical and having some whimsical ideas and some dreaming and for like shooting of the stars, if you will. There's something in that. And I don't believe that you have to just be in your 20s. I think wherever we are, if we still have this, these sort of notions within us that why wouldn't we aspire to do them or share? And not everything is about dollars. 
sometimes dollars reflects the size of an idea. But I also think people have been feeling so defeated that we, if we could generate some of that dreaming and openness to like, well, I've been this, what else can I be? And who else can I be? Or what other part of myself can I bring out to the surface? And I've probably been feeling this way for about maybe six months to a year. And, um, and I also think it's the, the kind of the place I am in my life. I think this is probably a natural place to be as your kids become more independent. And there's just been a little more kind of flow and more sort of opportunities that have come my way. And I liken that to me, maybe getting out of my own way and not being afraid to do it different. So like maybe I was, I'm going to be on the road two days a week, or maybe my training schedule is going to be different or just whatever weird things I get, I cling to as the thing that keeps me from doing something different. And I always admire people that can do that. The problem is, is like when we forego our whole real life for just dreams, I think there's a very steep penalty for that. And I think a level of consistency and participation in your real relationships and your self-care is, is sort of imperative for really making gains, if you will. But within that, it's like, how do we not lock in so hard that we, we don't see what's around the corner or something new or something different? And that is uncomfortable, you know, believe me. But that's something that I I just want to share because I, I'm, I'm certain it's not unique to me and I'm certain that, um, you might have that going on in your, in your mind, in your life. Listen, life is short. Everyone says it, but I would like to start living more and more like it is. And I know this to be true. We've all been losing people and we, since, you know, the beginning of time, and maybe it feels accelerated now. And so why not? Why, why, uh, why be managed by our fears or our, our sort of tendencies towards really radical routine? It's like, we don't like the routine and monotony, but somehow we can't find the way to get out of it. And that's kind of interesting. And how do, are we in it enough that we can see real progress, but yet bring some more color and some dynamic. I'll close on this. I think it's really an interesting thing when you have, like you're, I always say like, I can go behind, I can go on the side, I can go in the front. And so sometimes like I'm behind my children, sometimes I'm on the side of my partner. And sometimes indirectly, it's like I almost leave them all behind and I'm in front. And that can be a very personal or private experience. It was sort of like who you were before, you know, you were with all these people. And I think when we get good at that, like, hey, I'll support you. It's about you. I'm behind you. Hey, I'm next to you. Or even with Laird, I could be behind Laird, no problem, and, and trying to elevate his cause and purpose, but still being willing from time to time to step in front and ask myself, well, what are your skill sets? And how do you want to present those? And not always kind of defaulting to the other roles. It becomes very natural to do. Uh, I think it is more common with females than males. I know. I don't mean to, you know, everybody wants us all to be the same, but I don't think we are. And um, <laughs> doesn't mean there aren't exceptions. But oh, 
just seems if you look around to be a pattern. So don't be afraid to stand behind, but don't be afraid to stand in front either from time to time. I think it's good. I think it's healthy. And I think it's good, weirdly, and I say this like very directly, for the people in your life to sometimes view you differently and uh, kind of have a different appreciation for you. I think it's, I think it's really good. If anything comes to mind that has improved your toolkit, if you will, for parenting or training or something in your work or going for your, you know, an entrepreneur or you're in a transition or your relationship, I would love to hear it. And the other thing I would love is if you have any questions for me, if you would leave them for me so I can incorporate them or address them in future shows that really helps me out because then I can be more of service. I always appreciate you guys hanging out with me on these solos. And um, I think it's important that if you have feel like you've been around the block, that we're reminded that um, wonder and possibility and hope is something that we should never let go of or lose. And it gets very easy to get covered up you know, let's face it, folding laundry. It's not the sexiest thing. So, and aside from that is, can you keep parts of your world in a sense of wonder? All right, till next time. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you want to learn more, there is a ton of valuable information on my website. Head to the link in the show notes and click gabbyreese.com to find a full breakdown with helpful links to studies, research, books, products, and more. Stay tuned for a bonus episode coming this Thursday where I go deeper on one of the topics that really resonated with me. If you have any questions for my guests or even myself, please send them to at gabbyreese on Instagram. If you feel inspired, please hit the follow button, leave a rating and a comment. It not only helps me, it really helps the show grow and reach new listeners. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.